Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, The Five Essentials for a Magnetic LinkedIn Profile, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. If you'd like to receive notifications on when our podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Vanessa Shaw is a highly accredited and internationally recognized business success coach. Whether you are seeking more income, making a bigger impact, or enjoying greater freedom, Vanessa and her dedicated team of professionals at the Business Growth Academy can help turn your entrepreneurial dreams into reality. So Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. This is going to be a fun topic to talk about. But before we get into the questions that I have prepared for you, I would love for you to just tell me a little bit more about yourself and the businesses that you serve. Thank you. And, um, you know, croaky voice this morning. I think allergies are kicking in. So I sort of apologize if we've got frogs in throats as well. But uh, I've been in business for myself about coming up nearly 17 years. Um, on both sides of the Atlantic. So originally mm. I set up a business um, in Switzerland, which is where I spent many years living. Wow. And then I was far more in the kind of life coaching, life coaching that rapidly morphed into executive coaching and leadership mm. development. Um, when I came across the pond, so to speak, set up a <laughs> brand new business here in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is my home now. Um, and, and, and I'd realized through my journey that my passion is really for small business owners. 
Um, I, I know that's an audience as well that you work with, but I just mm -hmm. I love working with the decision makers, small business owners who are passionate about getting their services and their gifts and talents out into the world, but also working with them. You know, we can make a big impact through through coaching because, you know, those changes can happen so rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what we're doing today. Our, our typical audiences that we work with already proven concept they're you know close to that first six figures in revenue so they've figured a lot of the foundation out but then in terms of really growing further and really scaling their business and honestly getting themselves out of the weeds of the business um, <laughs> they get stuck and that's really where kind of our our secret source comes in and we can just do some amazing things together Perfect. Well, it sounds like you're speaking to the right people too. That's my audience. So I'm sure they're going to get some great tips from you today by listening in. Uh, so my first question that I wanted to chat about was, you know, I know you're on a mission to help women business owners to create more financial security. So why is this important to you? Mm, thank you for asking. I, I just think it's such a great question. And a couple of things is I talk about financial security, not necessarily financial empowerment. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, there's some distinctions there um, and, and, and similarities, of course. But for me, financial security is personally for me, I wasn't thinking about it. That's really why this was important. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of messes over the years when it when it comes to finance and not looking at the numbers in my own business and not thinking about my salary and my future and investing in my future and really making sure that I was building financial security through A, how I was running and operating the business, but also thinking about financial security for myself mm -hmm. for the future. And honestly, Kenny, you've probably heard this as well, because you obviously get into some of the bones, you know, the, the <laughs> me of people's businesses. You know, I really thought it was a me thing and that there was something wrong with me. And it was, you know, you know, this was something that everybody else had figured out. But when I was more vulnerable and shared some of my own challenges around that, um, women were coming forward saying, oh my gosh, like you're speaking my language. Mm. Right? This is happening for me. And I've discovered, I mean, it's absolutely rife. And irrespective of the numbers of new businesses that we talk about, you know, women-owned businesses are you know, opening at incredible numbers. Right. What's not changing <laughs> Mm -hmm. is the financial side that's mm -hmm. not shifting and um you know only two percent of women ever cross the seven figure mark mm -hmm. 12 percent of businesses are going over a hundred thousand in revenue well a hundred thousand in revenue and again you know that from the bookkeeping and accounting side of things that doesn't give you a good lifestyle when you take mm -hmm. out taxes and expenses and everything right. else it's not the ticket to freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're really on a much bigger mission to you know, change the conversation that women are having in their minds, first and foremost, and change the numbers in the bank accounts. Because right. I know for a fact that when women are doing better, everybody else does better. Women mm -hmm. are naturally more philanthropic, naturally more generous, naturally want to pay it forwards. Um, so yes, that's why that's important to us. That's good. Because I do think that there are probably a lot of people who feel it might just be their own problem. Like there were, you know, generation ago or even two generations ago, you know, the women 
didn't really do a lot with the finance in the family and the husband did. And if the husband passed away, then they were like completely stuck because they hadn't had any experience. But with women having a lot more freedom, I think it's the concept that people have that, oh, well, everyone's kind of got it all together, you know, and so this is just my problem. I don't know what I'm doing, um, but it is more you know, prevalent than people really think. So like you said, if they just share, like, this is what I'm going through. I think it's helpful because they can find out, you know, you're not the only one and there's some help out there. Absolutely. And then the reality again, and you, you touch on that, right? Kind of the generational thing. And I often talk about generational programming in my work, right? We don't realize, you know, we kind of come into this thing of business for ourselves and wanting to mm-hmm. get you know, kind of, as you say, turn our entrepreneurial dreams into reality. But there's often a lot of baggage that we're mm-hmm. actually bringing into it at, a, at an unconscious level. You know, I'm, I'm the first business owner in my family. There are, mm-hmm. there are no other entrepreneurs and certainly on the women's side before me all the women all the women in my family if they brought money in it was considered supplemental Mm -hmm. right lifestyle as you say the men were taking care of the finances the men were the providers and you know in fact in my lineage it was a whole line of actually stay at home moms and Mm -hmm. that was you know that was kind of the that was the career path so there's a lot of ex, you know, layers that we have to get through and realize that there's new, you know, new skills to be built and development, you know, development of ourselves to run our businesses successfully. Right. And one other thing I was thinking of while you're talking about that too, is I think sometimes women feel shame around this and they don't want to share it. But if you're not taught in school, you know, and a lot of times, even if people have a college education, which some who are entrepreneurs don't, and obviously that's perfectly fine, but even those who've had college educations, most of the fields don't teach finance, you know, and so you could learn, you could become a doctor and have gone through medical school and not have taken any finance classes or or things like that too. So there are a lot of people that don't really have the education to support them to be able to handle their finance as well. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, again, I come from a different background, right? In Europe, I gave up math at the age of 16. Mm. By the way, because I had pretty miserable experiences with it, right? You didn't have to, you know, you you chose your subjects back then in the day in the UK. At Mm -hmm. 16, you were dropping subjects. So I did the very basics. And I scraped through. Mm. Um, The good news news is, though, is like all these complicated equations and everything, you don't need for business. Right. Um, the truth is, is actually, it is actually quite simple math, but mm-hmm. I had to get beyond a lot of the emotional, you know, those emotional components of looking at the numbers. The numbers for me, you know, way back then represented fear, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of scarcity. Um, and of course, it was good if the numbers were high, it was terrifying if they were low. And back then, that was a mystery. Well, then we figured out that there's an awful lot that we can actually control and influence, right, around those numbers. And now numbers are exciting and tracking <laughs> is exciting. And, you know, they, it's, it's a very different experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know also we're going to be talking about, you know, COVID and that has hit. So even those who maybe had been somewhat prepared, maybe had some issues. So what were some of the trends that you saw through COVID and what can women learn from them? Mm, I know, gosh, I just was answering this question recently. Somebody else had asked me that. And I said, you know, I think I'm really uh, crossing fingers that we're really entering the post-COVID phase here Mm -hmm. 
states and I know that you know other parts of the world are still feeling like they're in the thick of it and or in very early stages of coming out of it but there's definitely a shift here in mm -hmm. our environment and again I'm speaking from Arizona where you know life is really feeding back to normal apart from the dreadful heat that we have right now which is <laughs> never feels normal but I think you know really and truly COVID has, has caused so many of us to re-question Mm. You know, really reevaluate what was important. Um, probably as well, reevaluate a lot of things that we were doing that weren't serving us, right? Mm -hmm. That were causing a lot of stress. Um, for many businesses, I mean, we've essentially been online and certainly in our, in our delivery. I've been online delivering on different online platforms ever since I started business. So I've essentially had a virtual business, as I say, for nearly 17 years. But, you know, I think even the way we deliver services, you know, people are talking about wasting time before, you know, going across town to do one-on-one -on -one meetings with their clients or their weekly meetings or their monthly meetings. And we've certainly seen that, you know, through our clients. They're like, um, my clients kind of want to put those back on the calendar and I don't want to anymore because as a business owner, it's so ineffective. Or otherwise I should be charging a lot more, right? Mm -hmm. In order to make that make sense. So I think just that, you know, how we're using time, um, how we're delivering services, I think relationships around as well, you know, who's really there for us, who can we count on? Um, COVID as well, there's been a lot of reevaluating of relationships, whether they're personal, whether they are in business. And these are a lot of those lessons that we can take forwards. I also know as well, and I have to say, it kind of gives me goosebumps to, to think about it. When I think about some of the women that I have worked with during COVID, my mm. goodness, the way they have stepped up, because these are the women that are, you know, homeschooling kids. I mean, we mm. launched a program that actually kicked off on March the 17th, mm. which the day we thought everything was imploding here. <laughs> Right, that was day one. I was like, you've got to be kidding. Like, this, mm -hmm. is, this is going to fall apart. And, you know, there were businesses that were shut down at the time. There were businesses that had to completely switch to online. There were, I worked with attorneys. They couldn't get into court. They didn't know how to do signatures. I mean, so many different things are affecting. And when I look at my women that were really stepping up to seriously lead their businesses, homeschool kids, uh, still be the ones that were possibly caretaking or a bridge between elderly parents that they now mm -hmm. can't see. Um, you know, spouses that were laid off. I've had, you know, so many of my mm. female business owners all of a sudden were catapulted into all of yes. those roles and becoming the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think again there, that's really scary when it happens. Um, it's so important that they've had, you know, support. And of course, you know, we were their coaches at that time. But the beauty of it is they've really seen what they were made of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm talking about women have experienced them 400% growth in that period. Mm. And they're doing everything else. So it's like that level of resilience and, and you know, feeling empowered has been magnified. Mm -hmm. So I want to go deeper into the whole topic of undervaluing ourselves. And I know that they are statistics, you know, out there that say women generally are, you know, undervalued even more than men are. But I know there are a lot of men out there, too, that still aren't looking at, you know, what they should be charging and everything, too. So I would love to start the discussion just on what are some of the signs that we should be looking for that indicate we really are undervaluing ourselves. 
Yeah, and there are many, um, you know, many different ways that this shows up. And I can kind of show, share some of the classics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the classics are giving away too much for free, mm-hmm. right? We're giving too many services, too much free time. Like, it's just, there's a lot of free. Right. And when we, when we really look at how we're spending time, you know, there's things that really could be monetized or frankly not done, you know, mm-hmm. dropped or monetized, right? Or, you know, an, another route. Um, over-delivering as well is similar, right? But I see this a lot with women where they start to over-care for mm. their, the, the people that they're serving, their clients. Right. And for me, and I, you know, again, it's, I say it's, it's, it's very subtle, but when you start to notice energetically that you're caring more than you think your clients are bringing to the table, that's, got, that's a sign, right? right? And it's a sign possibly of a, frankly, uh, not the ideal client for you. Mm-hmm. It's, so a, uh, it's a sign of some boundaries and that you are actually undervaluing yourself here, right? Mm-hmm. So again, I said that about working with the wrong clients. That's, right. that's a symptom of undervaluing because when we're in business for ourselves, clients are the lifeblood of our business and they can be massively exhilarating to work mm-hmm. with, energizing. They can be massively draining and everything in between and I am a proponent of you know building a business we call it champagne wine and beer clients okay and I honestly don't think you need much more explanation because not (laughs) not when I share that people are like oh yes I've got it Uh right but even that right is the you know you can build a business with champagne clients Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's absolutely possible. We do it all day long with our clients. I have that business as well. Mm. Um, but again, undervaluing is about taking on the wrong clients, right? And then right. tolerating, right? A lot mm. of you know, possibly disrespect people that are trying to haggle your fees. Right. Um, discounting, there we go. That's a really, that's a great symptom of undervaluing. If you are, you know, before somebody's even asked, um, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to, for a discount or a break right. or friends, friends and family rates or whatever other cheeky thing they might ask for, you know, here you are quickly discounting, you know, your fees. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the common, you know, I think some of the common ones. Obviously, you know, undercharging. You know, there's often that secret price that you'd really right. like to secretly be charging, but you're not. Again, that's that's about you first and foremost, undervaluing yourself, your time, your expertise, um, and you know, and then kind of projecting it onto your clients. Right. And I would say the biggest, one of the biggest ones is time. You know, that lack of boundaries around time that everything is kind of seeping through, you know, life and business. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, saying yes to too many things that you really should be saying no to. And the classic with women as well is that sense of, you know, you're serving everybody else first, right? It's families, it's clients, it's communities. And, you know, you are constantly bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. And we reverse that, right? We reverse that. That's just, that's an old paradigm. Mm -hmm. So there's a, as I said, there's a, there's a lot in there, but I'm sure the listeners are going to hear some things mm-hmm. there that will resonate. 
Yeah, from my perspective too, when you were talking, I'm, I was thinking there's like two sides to that too. And one side I think is, like you said, we just want to serve, right? We think we're helping our client and, oh, we love this client. They need something else. And yes, it's a little bit beyond the scope, but, you know, shouldn't take too long or, you know, whatever. And so we're taught, you know, we should really be thinking about the other person and serving. So I think that's one side of it. But then the other side, I think too, is some people have that fear. Like you said, like if you've got the wrong client, well, you're afraid to not take that client because you need the money or, or things like that too. And so I, from my perspective, as you were talking, those were the two thoughts that went through my head. Absolutely. No, and I, and I agree. We've been, you know, kind of like, where does this all come from? So many of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's completely the wrong paradigm because it actually doesn't really work. I mean, it works at the A level, but, you know, not the way it needs to for small business. Have right. been taught that it's all about helping other people first mm -hmm. and that it's selfish right and self-serving to take care of ourselves yet the irony of that is you know hop on a plane and listen to the safety okay. procedures right and there's lack of oxygen and it's all about look after yourself first mm -hmm. so that you can look after other people right. right and this for us as women as well we've got to pay ourselves first mm-hmm we have to because it it starts, and I mean, you know, pay ourselves, you know, not only financially, but in time and joy and fulfillment, because the more we're taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. and really looking after ourselves first, the more we can serve others. Mm -hmm. It starts with us, right? Really valuing what we're bringing to the table. And then from there, we can have a much, much bigger impact in the world. Right. So why do you think then it's so much of a problem for us as women to value ourselves? Again, I know there's, you know, men that have the same problem, but just from statistics I've read, it's generally more the women that just are undervaluing themselves. So what do you think is like that underlying reason? Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that there's actually one. I think there's typically a whole host of things, right, mm. that come to play here. Um, certainly education. I mean, just societally, mm. you know, We've been taught, you know, in a lot of very subtle ways, right? Don't rock the boat. Don't speak out. Be a good girl. Be mm. nice. Be, I mean, something I grew up with, with was all about being ladylike. Right. Ladylike. I don't know if that translates in America, but that's, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the UK, um, you know, don't get too big for your britches. Don't, you know, this, you know, and so many of those messages. Um, and then, you know, the... It's really okay for men, our male counterparts, to be ambitious, right? That's rewarding. Mm -hmm. Ambition right. is a desired quality in a male. It is not a desired quality in a female. Mm -hmm. It's often translated into intimidating, domineering, right. um, you know, good, God forbid, you know, bitchy or whatever, right? right? These other terms, but as mm -hmm. I say, that, you know, it's, it doesn't translate well. And, you know, I think we know that as women, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like that sort of, you know, be careful to put your head up too high uh, because it can feel like an unsafe place. Mm -hmm. There is certainly a difference in the way we are wired as right. well. There is mm -hmm. definitely a way. I have noticed that again for myself, for the women that we work with, you know, when something kind of goes wrong, um, we tend to internalize like quickly and we, right. we going to this like we did something wrong oh my gosh it's it's about me so we personalize our male counterparts tend to project it out mm -hmm. 
nothing out there, right? Right. So again, like this kind of this this difference there of just how how we how we see ourselves, right, and how we're wired. And I always have a funny story. Actually, it's a really great way to illustrate this when we talk about how we see ourselves. Uh, as one of my weight loss clients, Hester, in the very very early days of working, and then we're talking way back when, and mm. she says, she says how come I've been on, you know, this weight loss journey with you and I've kind of lost whatever it is, eight pounds, you know, and I look in the mirror and yes, I can see the changes, but I'm still kind of looking at myself going, hmm, there's a bit here and there's still a bit there and I've still got some ways to go. Right. And, says, and then my husband, you know, can walk at the same, to the same mirror with his kind of belly hanging over his shorts, <laughs> right? And, and like, you know, suck it in, you know, pump up his chest and go, wow, dude, you're looking so good today. <laughs> she says, because that's not exactly what I see in the mirror, but how mm-hmm. he sees it is so different. Mm-hmm. So yes, I definitely think, as I say, there's, there's a wiring, but there's so much in the environment um, of under, you know, of undervaluing ourselves in very, right. very subtle, permeating ways. Mm-hmm. I think we also have self-doubt a lot of the times too, and other people can put that onto us, whether they know they're doing it or not. And I remember when I was relatively new in business, I had a client who said, oh, I want you to help me, you know, with my bookkeeping and my payroll now, my person that I had actually passed away and he sold his business to the CPA office, but you know, I don't want to work with them. I want to work with you. And can you go pick up all my documents from them? And I said, sure. Okay. So I went and that CPA looked down his nose at me actually and and was like, what makes you think you're going to be able to do this job? You're not a CPA, you know, and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, I had to kind of overcome that and say, you know, that's his issue. Um, and I know my stuff, you know, and I may yes. be a lot younger and, you know, I may not have that CPA designation, but I have been doing this for a while and I do know what I'm doing. Um, but there still was that little bit of a seed that, you know, gets planted that you have to like not let it grow. And Absolutely. I think that happens to a lot of women. It does. Actually, you're reminding me. And as I say, that's why, like, in, you know, we have to like start to listen out for these things because we'll mm-hmm. see those biases kick in. Right. Mm-hmm. Again, if we're not aware of it and if we're not working on ourselves and our own internal sense of self and self-worth and confidence, which I think are massive assets that we need as women to be working on and bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. As you say, in the environment through people, those seeds are sown. And it reminds me of when I was my very first year going into business and of course, very excited. And I was doing all of my you know, legal stuff and setting things up. And I needed to get some professional insurance because back at that time I was doing weight loss and I used to take women in groups of walking you know, up mountains in Switzerland uh-huh. and I needed some professional insurance. Mm-hmm. And I guess I had to reveal what I thought I was going to be, my projections were for the year. Now, bearing in mind, this is like little part-time business, first year in business. I didn't really have too much of a clue as to how to put together that financial goal, but I kind of, you know, put some numbers together on a piece of paper. I was like, I think I can do that. And the number that I shared was 40,000. So that would be the equivalent. It was in Swiss francs, but it would translate to 40,000 US dollars. And I remember he looked at, he put up this piece of paper and he was like, 40,000, really? Like, that's a lot. Mm. And you think you're going to do that? Mm. 
And fortunately at the time, I mean, it was one of those moments. I was like, yes, I do think I'm going to do that. Kind of like I've worked it out. Mm -hmm. I came out of that and I didn't think much of it until later. I was like, that was your projections. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You projected that onto me. And that was your bias that came into play. Right. And I was just very grateful for that moment of kind of feistiness that I had inside of me. <laughs> right. you know, I'd love to go back to him right now and say, you should see what I'm doing today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think we just have to overcome those. And it's sometimes hard, but don't let someone else's, you know, what they're saying about you or even if it's not intentional, you know, they may not even be meaning to say something that's going to be that self-doubt planting seed, but we just have to kind of overcome that and have other people we could talk to who's like, no, you're great. You know, you can do it. Absolutely. And I think that, that is really important, right? It's having people that are, um, you know, Brené Brown, I think says this beautifully, and I, I'll, you know, in the arena with you, mm-hmm. right? not sitting in the sidelines, mm-hmm. right? That's why we need to surround ourselves with other business owners. We need to be having these conversations. You know, I, I, of course, I run a coaching company, but I'm a massive advocate for, you know, having really strong coaches and mentors for Mm -hmm. many aspects of our life and business, right? It doesn't just have to be one. But again, people that have got our backs and that will really support us. Because as, as small business owners, and especially small business owners that are wanting to succeed and defy statistics, we do have to acknowledge that we're somewhat of a minority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we can come across as somewhat of, as the weird ones, right, on an on a, on entrepreneurial path. And so it's very important that we're in communities where, that is, where, where we're elevated and celebrated for that. Right, exactly. So let's talk about kind of that, trading time for money then too, because a lot of people are still doing that. So let's talk about what pricing models they should consider instead of trading time for dollars. Mm, I know. This, I, love, I love this subject. It's, it's probably the, one of the things that we help people with the most. Mm-hmm. And again, that classic is, you know, we look around at other similar service providers, right? Mm-hmm. And we might go, well, I'm just going to put myself in the middle of what I can see other people, you know, other people charging. Um, and again, if other service providers are also charging by the hour, those are the models that we, you know, we tend to look at right. and we look at it from a, oh my gosh, well, if I can get $50 an hour, da, 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 that feels good. Cause perhaps before I was used to, you know, I don't know, being paid 25, but here's the thing, right? The, the reason that model doesn't work and it doesn't work in terms of growing and scaling a business is you will mm-hmm. always become tapped out on time first and mm-hmm. foremost. There are only so many hours in the day, right? So time becomes the limiting factor. And yes, of course, we can raise our hourly rate as well. Of course, we can do that. But equally so, we start to bang up against comparisons at a certain Mm -hmm. point, right? So, you know, let's let's say if all of a sudden, you know, if all of a sudden, let's say myself, it could be um, as a business coach, if I was charging an hourly rate for certain things, I would rapidly be compared with, you know, a, a high end attorney. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, all of a sudden in the prospects minds, they're like here, yeah, but, you know, that, that's different. Right. And the attorney went to law school. That's legal. They do. You know, and it's like the, the comparison doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So again, whilst we can raise that hourly rate, it's got real limitations. 
Right. And in terms of, you know, when we're charging by the hour, again, for me, it's actually about undervaluing. It's undervaluing the results and the outcomes, right? And the value that we are bringing to the table because right. we're putting it into this kind of commodity bucket of an hourly rate. Mm -hmm. Equally so, and just before we kind of go into how we can change things differently is, and I think your audience is probably the same, right? If, if you're a service provider, you are typically somebody that has a level of expertise that right. like yourself, right? The more you're in business, the more you build systems, the mm -hmm. more you are developing yourself because you have a level of professional development that you have to keep, you know, keep honing your craft. But that right. also means that you become better, you become more efficient, right? You become more effective. And I know for me that, you know, I can, I can troubleshoot and, and find, you know, $50,000 that could be hidden in somebody's business in a, you know, 20 minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Does that mean I should be charging, you know, a third of what it might have taken me previously because now I've got a good 15 plus years under my belt? Right. And the same for you or the same, say, for an attorney, right, or a healthcare provider. So as I say, that model is really flawed. Now, where we shift to is really teaching value-based pricing. Mm -hmm. So this is where this conversation all links back into like valuing ourselves first, right? Because the first sale is to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to be sold on this for ourselves before we can even have the conversations with our prospects, right? About serving, uh, about, you know, providing those services. Right. And for me, when we're looking at value-based pricing, it's really understanding from an outcomes perspective, you know, the ripple effect of that outcome in our prospect's life across mm -hmm. time, you know, a long right. time and across multiple areas of their life. Mm -hmm. Because most things that we're doing, especially as human beings, it's not just impacting this in one track. Um, we know full well for us, for example, when a business really starts to take off, you know, this, the, the peace of mind, first and foremost, when somebody right. realizes that they're in control, right, is priceless. You know, they're sleeping well at night. Often the primary relationship takes off on a completely different level. Mm -hmm. They've removed stress. And now, you know, all of a sudden there's more financial ease, let's say, to be able to start to enjoy the finer things that they went into business for. Right. Right? There's also the, you know, sense there that, you know, now they can, you know, build their team. So now they can leverage their time. I mean, all of these different things that happen and this is happening over time. Right. So it's really understanding what the real value, the true value is over time to the prospect. Right. On the right. flip side of that, it's also understanding the cost of inaction. Right. When mm -hmm. when somebody doesn't hire us. Um, and again, you'll be, you know, uh, by the way, you're one of you're one of the service providers that I actually tell my own clients, like this is one of the first things they need to get off of their to-do list, mm -hmm. right? Doing their own books, right? <laughs> because they're, they're not good at it. They don't know the numbers, right? And they shouldn't be focused on that because it's gonna take them too long. 
end, right? They should be focused on business development, right? And really right. bringing the business and growing it, the, the, getting the clients and the cash flow coming through the door. That's where they need to be focused on, right? Not, mm -hmm. this, not more the kind of back office things. But again, it's, you know, there's a cost to inaction when somebody isn't, you know, getting those services and the help that they need. That's also impacting them across multiple areas of their life. So that's for kind sure. of a framework, right, for how we start to really build out this notion of, you know, value-based pricing. And, you know, people will ask, you know, they, they ask the whole time, well, what should I charge, you know? Mm -hmm. Or actually, like, once we, let, let's take you through this process, we have a system for, like, breaking that down, like, step by step, so that they can really get to, you know, clarifying, get the, you know, what, what they think it's worth. And then the reality is there comes a point where there's a kind of a subjective, frankly, that comes into play of the price that they feel often very confident about charging. Mm -hmm. And then there's the price that they're like, I'd love to charge that, but I really know right now I'm just not solid. Like that becomes, right. becomes the goal. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that's okay. We're going to go with where you feel really solid right now because, you know, sometimes we have to step it up, you know, a few times and not do these massive leaps. But right. let's set that goal and we'll get there, right? Mm -hmm. And we did this with a client recently where, um, you know, she was, again, I mean, kind of everything, everything that we're talking about today, I, you know, she's like top of mind because, doing too much for her clients, taking on some of the wrong ones, you know, working way too many hours, way too many hours. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and, and we, you know, we talked about boundaries and we talked about undervaluing and she got very, very clear there. And then of course it, it was how it fed into pricing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she went from charging whatever it was, was, you know, I think it was a, she had like a four, four and a half thousand dollar package for whatever was she was, selling and again the secret price was I really want to be charging 10,000 for this that's mm. a big leap right but when we went through it she was like you know what I am absolutely you know the next one I commit to you Vanessa it's going at 7,500 which is still a significant right leap and we made it we said let's make a deal you know how many do you think you need to actually sell to really understand that there truly is a value because right. now you've got evidence, right, from the market that people are willing to invest at that level. And she said, I think it's just three. Mm. It's not, it wasn't a big number. I said, deal, mm -hmm. three. And then the next one went to 10. Nice. Right. And that, oh. by the way, happened in probably uh, about 40 days. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't wow. even but that we, this was not a long, I mean, most of our programs are a 100 day program and mm -hmm. that happened, you know, shortly after once we're in about month, beginning of month two. Right. So I know we already talked about one of the mistakes is really just trading that time for dollars. But even if people are considering like the value pricing, often they're still undervaluing that. So what are the mistakes that they're making in terms of their pricing and what they should what should they do to really get the price where it needs to be? And actually, how do they determine what that value truly is? Yeah, great. I mean, for me, this comes into a couple of other aspects, which is their offer, how they're mm. actually talking about their services, right? So I call it in my world, I call it offer, right? It's really, what are you selling? And most times what people end up selling is process. Mm. 
right? And they're kind of, you know, they're not selling the outcomes. They're not selling the results. They're not being bold enough in frankly, how they are confident that they can really help those prospects that they're having a conversation with, mm -hmm. right? They're holding back. And again, that level of confidence, again, speaks totally to undervaluing. Unfortunately, what happens there though, is that lack of confidence or lack of clarity in those key moments with a prospect, the prospect picks up on that immediately. They don't mm -hmm. know exactly what it is, but they're gonna, this is where they'll say, oh, I have to think about this, or right. I'm not sure how this can really help me because you, we've confused them in that mm -hmm. moment, right? So that's, for me, it's all about how, how we really talk about our offer and communicate it in a way that is solving real problems, right. <laughs> right? real problems that the, the prospect recognizes, not problems that we think they've got, but it's like, so it's very relatable, providing right. solutions that the prospect is seeking, right, as mm -hmm. well. Again, it's become super, it's very practical. Um, but then, as I say, crafting it into a way that it's what I call a very compelling offer. Mm -hmm. What is going to make it the, you know, the easy yes? Or I had an example actually this week with a client. We were actually teaching this because we actually teach this in our program. And I said, listen, you've all been on the receiving end of a compelling offer because you said yes to working with us. Right. But now let's go back and look at what was it that mm -hmm. made that compelling for you? Right, because you were on the receiving end and we certainly weren't forcing you in, in, right. into the academy. And, and in fact, one of our clients, Stephanie, she said, well, it was really interesting, Vanessa, because she said, you were, you were introduced to me. You know, you were just somebody that I, I should get to know and kind of, you know, think, know about your services. She said, I came onto that call with zero intention to buy. Mm. And, I was like, I possibly need Vanessa's help, but it's further down the line. She said, but I got off of that call knowing that I would be doing such a massive disservice to myself and my business if I didn't hire you now. Mm. And that's I said, awesome. that, right, but that's <laughs> what makes something compelling because we've mm -hmm. really covered the problems. We've really highlight, highlighted how we can uh, present, you know, help them get to those, you know, solutions and outcomes. And also with a very kind of bold promise around what we right. stand for, what the results are going to be. So for me, those are, you know, really some of those mistakes that all lead into pricing, right? Pricing mm -hmm. is not just a, you know, okay, I'm just going to do what I'm doing today and put another, you know, dollar sign on it. Oftentimes we have to go back in and actually repackage those services, re-examine them, look at different ways, you know, perhaps even a higher level of service, and then look at now, where does my pricing strategy shift to? Right. Well, and I know you hinted at this earlier uh, in our conversation, but you have a term you call Goldilocks pricing. So what is that? Yes, right. <laughs> um, the, you know, not too hot, not too cold, just <laughs> right, right? <laughs> That really is, it really is that, or whatever it was, it was, you know, what was it, too salty, too, you know, whatever those mm -hmm. things are, but it's really about that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And for me, the sweet spot, again, starts with ourselves as the service provider, right? It's mm -hmm. that place that I was mentioning earlier where I say, you are really sold on this. You are mm -hmm. sold 
trust on what you're delivering, how you can help your perfect prospects. And you are really solid now in your value proposition, what it's worth and the pricing that you Mm -hmm. would like to charge for it. So that's the kind of the just right. And it feels, it should feel initially, because I say, we probably raise prices for, uh, I would hazard a guess it's 95% of our clients. Mm. It's, it's, it's really very pervasive um, and taking them through this process. Um, and by the way, sometimes, you know, there's also, when I even say that, there's a lot of, oh, you don't understand, Vanessa. My market's different. My <laughs> business is different. My clients wouldn't pay that. There were all of those, you know, kind of concerns and fears and objections come up. And yet we, you know, we ultimately get to a place of about 95% of our clients will be raising their fees and their prices. So that just right Goldilocks pricing is the one that feels really you're sold on it and it feels slightly uncomfortable, Mm. right? Because the truth is it should be, it should feel like a little stretch for us as the business owners, because this is a place for us to grow into, right? right? If it's too easy and it feels so comfortable and everybody's saying yes to it, by the way, that's often a sign that you are underpricing, mm. right? And we've even heard that before from business owners where they'll say, well, I've got a hundred percent conversion rate. I'm like, oh, right. That's a problem. <laughs> yes. If you have no no's, something is wrong, right? <laughs> if you have no no's, something is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and equally so, again, depending, like depending on the services, right? Because of course we work with a lot of different industries, mm-hmm. but ultimately a lot of times, some of the, you know, for the prospects, it's also a stretch for them. Right. right? And here's the good news about that is the more people pay, the more they pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't take things. We don't take free that seriously. Right. We don't take, you know, low end offers that seriously. But we start to pay more for something that is really solving a big problem for us that, you know, we step into it at a different level as well, right? It's like we've made an investment and now I'm invested in the process as well, right? I'm now invested. And I call this like partnering with our clients, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, now, oh, I get it. Now we're locking arms together and we're in this together, right? As opposed perhaps as a service provider we feel like we're dragging them along with us at times right Mm -hmm. or sometimes it's the other way as well frankly it's the prospects that are knocking at our doors saying hey you know kind of want more here so for me that's that sweet spot that goldilocks where there's that stretch in the middle not too it's not not too Mm -hmm. hot right that it's going to be overwhelming for us and for them it's not too you know too cold that it's like a frankly even easy yes or even worse even worse, that the perception of you is that you're no good, mm. right? Because you're mm. charging, you know, there's a perception in this world around, you know, about pricing that you get what you pay for. And that is very right. prevalent. Um, mm. so that's that Goldilocks sweet spot in the middle. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I know we're coming close to the end of the time that we have for uh, the show today. Do you have any last tips or, you know, any last story or anything that I didn't get the chance to have you cover that you wanted to share? Gosh, so many. I mean, I do think, you know, we, we, you know, we, we covered a lot of ground today, Mm -hmm. right? 
Um, something we didn't cover, and again, I'm going to give a resource for this because, again, I think a lot of you know your listeners, certainly my audience as well, struggles with you know mindset and and mm. thinking about things differently, right? And I've actually written a book called The Million Dollar Question. It's a short book. It's an easy read. 90 minutes, two hours, it's packed with value. Um, I say, grab, grab a glass of wine or a latte. And mm-hmm. read it. it's called The Million Dollar Question. And in there is the story of uh, one of our clients that answered The Million Dollar Question. And the reason it's called The Million Dollar Question is it revealed a million dollars of lost opportunity in wow. Practice. That is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Mm-hmm. There is also even the forward to the book is written by a gentleman by the name of Russ Perry, who runs a $10 million plus company now called Design Pickle. And he answered that question and as a result created that $10 million company. Wow. Now, a lot of our business owners are at a smaller scale than that, but I can promise you that if they answer that really, really honestly, they are going to free up energy they're going to free up time they're going to free up creativity a lot of hidden opportunity through answering that one question called the million dollar question so that is that's a really great resource nice so if someone then wants to connect with you or get that resource how can they reach out to you and find you yeah absolutely so the book can be downloaded at two different places the million dollar question.com Um, It's also on our homepage at businessgrowthacademy.com. And, you know, you'll see as well on that, you know, on our website, there's details of our programs. Listeners might be interested in that 100-day accelerator. And I would encourage them to, you know, reach out, at least complete an application form so we can learn more about your business and we'll get on a call. And if we can help you, we'll we'll let you know how we can help you. And if we can't, we'll also let you know that as well. And of course, or, you know, social media platforms, the, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And they would just find you by searching your name, even on like Instagram or, or something. It's not like a business. I'll make sure that we get you all the links as well. So that you can include those. I also have a podcast as well, which is, we haven't even talked about, I'll I'll share the title here because a lot of women listeners are enjoying it, but, uh, it's called Get Rich Without Being a Bitch. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so some of the things that we've been, we've been talking about today and, you know, our own stories around money and everything are covered in that podcast. So we'll make sure mm-hmm. that we've got all of these different resources where listeners can connect. And I still answer a lot of, you know, messages and everything that come in. So I always love to hear if some, somebody's heard something that resonates, please share with us because you know, you can do, you put together a podcast because you want to provide value in the world, right? Yes. Yes. I love to guest on podcasts as well because we want to provide value, but it's, it's really lovely when people reach out to us and say, Hey, thank you for that. That really helped me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I just love to hear when someone has said, Oh, I found that really helpful. Cause that's why I do this too, is, you know, I want to help the business owners be successful. And obviously it's not just in my, you know, area of expertise. I bring in a lot of different people, but you know, it's all of these different things that help an entrepreneur be successful. And that's why I want to share it. So I'm thankful that you could actually be a guest on my show today. Absolutely. No, thank you for the conversation. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. And I do want to also thank the listener. Thank you for tuning in to listen to this topic today. And I hope you found it interesting and it answered some 
questions about why we undervalue ourselves and how to think about pricing. If you have any additional questions or comments, be, be sure to reach out to Vanessa at any of the links that she shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. I hope you can join us for next week's topic, the five F's of franchising. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. And remember, you can find the podcast also posted on multiple podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to This Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.